Shut up and sit down. prepped for a different topic this evening and then I got a message from somebody on Facebook talking about um, this being Star Trek Day and I was like well duh okay now I have to talk about Star Trek because um, I had not realized it was Star Trek Day because um, <clears throat> I originally planned on doing Harry Potter this evening um, <sighs> give me a second because I was running around like a crazy person about two minutes before the show started so I'm a little overheated um and irritated. Uh, my dog has a certain bark at a certain pitch that even when he's outside hits my mic. And I was getting um, a background noise notifications from Skype and uh, and from Blog Talk. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll go fix it. Fixing it means I had to bring my dog inside. Um, <clears throat> so I can't guarantee he won't have a, a bitch fit in the middle of this podcast. Um, Azure has the most amazing ability to totally derail me. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start looking. I'm gonna stop looking at um stuff when um I'm on the air. Anyways, um. <clears throat> So it's Star Trek Day, and I got this awesome question in my Facebook box, and um, we're going to talk about it. I <clears throat> I don't think you're right, Azure. Um, I don't want to type right now, um, but I don't think you're. I, I think that you're confusing two different people. But we can discuss that later because that's like totally not appropriate for the podcast and I don't know why I'm talking about it. <laughs> but I understand your horror. I, I do. I I get it. So I think me and Jilly had that similar horror earlier in the year. Anyways, um <clears throat> back to Star Trek and this being the fifty first anniversary of the first episode of the original series airing. Um and uh Kay I don't want to say her full name because I didn't know if she was comfortable with that. Um, uh, oh, now I see why you asked that question, Azure. Mm, okay. Um, now I'm not so certain. Anyways, okay. Um, had asked in my I, I, I'm calling her Kay because I didn't want to say her full name without her permission and I didn't ask beforehand because I forgot anyways Kay from Kay to Kay um, <clears throat> asked about uh, asked a whole bunch of questions about Tangled Destinies and asked me to talk about Star Trek on Star Trek Day so that's what we're doing we're talking about Star Trek on Star Trek Day uh, yay cool 
<laughs> That's you? Awesome. Awesome, Kay. Bast. You know what? You're one of those people. And I love you, girl. I love you. But why can't you have a name in fandom that I can pronounce? <laughs> Because part of my brain wants to shorten your name to Azog, and which reminds me of that terrible orc, obviously, on Lord of the Rings, and I don't want to do that because that would be rude. So you know, Bast. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start calling you Bast. I do have problems with names, um, and I have problems with pronunciations for um, a particular reason that I'm not prepared to discuss on my podcast. Um. So we'll just leave it at that. But it is a it is a thing. Um, it, it it is it is probably part of my accent and probably um, um, the region where I was raised. Um, but there's other issues as well. Anyways, <clears throat> I hear my dog yipping. I'm gonna lose my shit, guys. I hadn't had a puppy in a long time. He is essentially a puppy. Uh, he's impatient um, with not getting attention. Um, and obviously he can hear me talking, but I'm not talking to him. So that must be like the gravest sin possible in a dog's mind for you to be talking and not to be talking to them. Because <laughs> a cat don't give a shit. <laughs> but a dog assumes they should be the center of your attention 24-7. But um, anyway, back to Tangled Destinies, and I probably should have broke this up a little bit um, so I could make sense of this. Um, just for my own visual acuity here, should I? Okay. Um, She asks about, uh, okay, okay, here's the question. Tangled Dusties is, is my number one favorite comfort fic to read. Jim and Spock's gentleness with each other contrasted against the harshness of the events happening to them directly and around them is, a wonder, is wonderful to read. Their gentleness and their protection of each other makes part makes the part where Jim is forced to experience Ponfar without Spock so much more effective and heart-wrenching. Is that the kind of reaction, something you planned from the beginning, or was it an accidental byproduct of how you wrote Jim and Spock? Um, did you mean to have their tenderness and softness be a counterpoint to the world around them? I, I meant um, for their very honest and sweet intimacy to be a counterpoint to the various issues that take place around them. When I was plotting Tangled Destinies, I I desperately wanted to um, uh, my my main focus was to was to because they were so young, I wanted to create a relationship between um, Jim and Spock that was sweet and intimate and um, and loving. 
I didn't want there to be a uh, often when I read Kirk Spock sick um, in the fandom, and I'm not I'm not in any single way disparaging a single fic that I've ever read in the, in the Kirk Spock fandom for this, but there's a harshness uh, about their love. And there is a um, there's some there's a, like a layer of desperation around um, around their relationship and around their pairing and around um, them staying together. So when I when I sat down to write Tangled Destinies and I knew I was going to write them as very young men. Um, coming together at a, at a very critical point in their lives, I wanted to um, capture the, the innocence of, of first love and the, uh, the intimacy of, of the mental connection, the bonding that takes place between a, a Vulcan and their bondmate. Um, and one of the reasons why I made Kirk um, Betazoid, half Betazoid, beyond um, the inspiration that I'd gotten from another fic that I've, ne- that I've never been able to find since, um, there have been several fics in the fandom where Kirk is a Betazoid or has Betazoid um, ancestry. Um, and um, it, was, it was a really interesting concept for me, um, just the concept itself of, of him having a Betazoid um, ancestry. And I did it to create equality between Kirk and Spock. Um, I wanted... I, one of the things that was most interesting to me about Spock as a character is um, how hard he worked to divorce himself from his emotions. Um, and I wanted to to open that up and give him an avenue by which he could explore that emotional landscape that he has. Um, and at the same time, remove the shame attached to it um, that he has carried um, and did carry all through canon um, and, until he was much, much older. I wanted him to... to um, embrace the emotion but I also wanted to stay true to who Spock was and so opening himself up romantically in private with with Jim seemed to be the most um the most gentle way to explore that to explore his uh emotional growth um as he falls you know just as he falls in love with his soulmate. And so it, it was about that. And Jim comes from a really harsh place. Uh, and uh, he found safety in uh, Pike. But, I wanted to create I felt like with the background I had given Kirk coming into Tangled Destinies that he he needed more than safety. Um and was and and that's what he got from Christopher Pike when when he was adopted. He got a home 
and someone who cared about him and someone who who wanted only the best for him who who um was fully invested in Jim's best destiny is in in many ways as much as um Jim opens up an emotional landscape for Spock. Spock does the opposite for Jim. He he creates a um a place of of rational uh, thinking in a place where for the first time Jim has encountered someone who he's his mind can relax around. He is safe and um, because of his family relationship and he can explore this relationship he has with Spock. Um, but more to the point, he place where he can grow without fear and he can embrace this um, this very tangible connection he has with um, Spock and, and, and not be afraid of it and because of his own mental gifts and Spock's openness um, Jim knows that it's safe to love him he, that he's not going to hurt him that he's not going to be a source of um, of pain or abuse or trauma, and that's something that's pretty rare for Jim when, when you first meet him in, in Tangled Destinies. There are like two people that Jim can trust without reserve when he meets Spock, and that is Christopher Pike and Bones McCoy. Um, he and he needs something more, and Spock gives him that. So when I was um, building their characters from the ground up, because I started them so young, I wanted to to keep um, what was essential to them um, from canon. But I also wanted to to take a look at how they would be as very young men if they met in their formative years, when when they were just moving from boyhood to manhood um, and growing and maturing physically, emotionally, and mentally to the point where um, they bond and start to build this life together and build this family around them that no one really anticipated, but everybody's on board with. Uh, So... The answer to your question is is that um was it a byproduct? No. Um but I don't think when I was plotting um that I realized how intimate it would become as I was writing. Because it was a very um intimate and emotional um thing to write because it created um it, I felt very protective of them but also near the end of it I was a little frustrated by their ages I I accomplished my goal and I wrote what I meant to write and 
I'm really pleased with the first arc of Tangled Destinies, but one of the reasons why I ended it where I ended it, both um, from a plot perspective and a character perspective, is that I'm really ready for them to grow up. (laughs) So when arc two starts, um, they'll they'll be um, adults on their own, um, living in their own space. And so, yeah, that you know, and it's not just about sex. It's about um, independence and about um, exploring them as adults, and uh, not um, because right now all of their all of their stuff is confined by their parents. So the mistakes they make are small. Um, the events around them are controlled by others. So moving them into adulthood creates um, situations where I can um, really explore them as a partnership um, as they move towards Starfleet Academy and, and, and service. And so, uh, and but creating that foundation was really important. To, to the partnership and to the relationship that I wanted to build in Tangled Destinies. So um, I'm not at all displeased by what I wrote, and um, but um, I'm really pleased that the first arc is over because um, sometimes building a foundation for um, a story that you want to tell can, can be um, a little frustrating. Especially when your your mind's spiraling out to different things that they could be doing. You know, why aren't they at the academy? That'd be really fun if I could do that, or you know. And then, but you but you're not because they're they're still here and they're they're still doing this. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, so it was, um, it was a very cathartic write. I mean, I you know sometimes when you write something it it really moves you and, and draws you in. And when you, when you get to the end of it, you're like, damn, that was good. I, <laughs> and not so much from like saying, damn, that awesome was good, but or, um, damn, that writing was awesome. Um, but more along the lines of, um, damn, that was, that was really, that, that felt really good to write. Um, And um, so there's that. But I'm actually on the fence about whether or not I want to start them at their Betazoid wedding or not. Um, there's a um, the, there's an interesting amount of um, of give in 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 that particular plot point because in 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 most respects and as and as far as Sarek is concerned, um, his son's already married. So, and and he's the one that would have the issue with them living together while they're not married, but they are married as far as, as, far as he's concerned. So the, the Betazoid ceremony money isn't as important to him, and Pike don't give a shit. So, you know, having them live together in an apartment um, after um, they are uh, out of... Like like when they're in college won't be a big deal um, as far as their families are concerned. So it becomes, um, you know, I have questions about how I want to arrange that and um, move that forward um, 
And um, knowing what I know about Cannon Spock and, and when his first Ponfar happens, um, I do have some leeway um, as far as um, um, Ponfar and how that happens. And um, having established that, I think I do want them to be um, um, to have the emotional um, Betazoid bond before Ponfar. So um, that um, is one of my plot points, and and and. All that stuff. All the illicit bonding. (laughs) As long as no one gets knocked up, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's all Pike's concerned about. Just just don't knock anybody up. (laughs) Everything else is fine. (laughs) But... So, you know, I think that when I, I look um, back on Tangled Destinies, that it is um, easily the most um, emotionally intimate thing on my site as, as as far as fan fiction goes. Because, um, and, and, this is, and this is something that I think all writers fall into, um, I, in order to create intimacy, intimacy sometimes between my characters, I fall back on the crutch of sex. Um, but because of their ages and because of um, Spock's species and um, his maturity, uh, I couldn't go there often and it be um, true to their characters. Yes, there there is sexual contact in, in Tangled Destinies because they're teenage boys, and of course they're going to go there. What teenage boy wouldn't? But um, I don't think that uh, – because I couldn't fall back on that crutch of of, um, sex to create intimacy, I had to create it in other ways. And it was very challenging. It was very, very challenging. But I think also it was challenging um, in such a way that I learned a great deal because when I went to write – Courting Hermione Granger years later, um, creating that intimacy between the two of them without sex was easy as pie. And I kind of, and I really do credit writing Tangled Destinies with that particular um, skill. Um, Because I think there have been times in my past when I've stumbled with emotional intimacy, but writing Tangled Destinies with with the mind melds and and um, all the emotional content um, really helped even that out for me um, as a writer. So you know, um, I always say that uh, it's that the day I stop learning from my writing is the day I'm, I'm going to be really, really, really upset. Um, and every time I go into, to a piece of work, um, um, the, the goal is to learn more about me and my craft. Oh, writing. I actually did write a sex scene for courting Hermione Granger, um, but it was actually so awkward and hard. I have never written such awkward, devastatingly weird sex in my life because it had no place in the story, even though I had plotted it in there. Um, 
for their for their you know impromptu honeymoon, um, and it was before you know the, the lust curse got out of hand. So it would have been it was it was supposed to be very sweet and intimate. It turned out awkward and weird. So I deleted it, and I was like, okay, it doesn't belong there. Cause I, like I said before, it just didn't fit, and I felt like I was invading her privacy. I had created this this very um very uh private character in in Hermione. Um, in, this, in this particular story, and I felt like um, I it was none of my business. <laughs> it was none of anybody's business. What happened between them that night? It was just none of their. It was it was it was nobody's business. And so I took it out, and I still have it, but it's just so awkward and terrible and weird that I'll never be able to use it in anything. It's just it's cause sometimes when you cut something out. Sorry, I hit my mic because I'm a hand talker. Sometimes when you cut something out of a a fic and you put it aside, you can use it elsewhere. Um, you just put it in a little folder and um, um, you uh, don't worry about it, you know. And then sometimes later you might pick it up and, and rework it a little bit and stick it in something else because it's good writing. This is not one of those times. It's it is just, I'm like, what? This is like, I I wrote better sex when I was 15. I, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It was just, and again, I, I, I think because I was so invested in the emotional content of that story that when I got to the potted sex scene, um, it just... It didn't fit in my brain, so I didn't write it well. It just, it just didn't, it just didn't come together. Um, but... I do credit Tangled Destinies with um, that development in, in my writing as far as emotional intimacy goes. Because I do feel like, um, you know, also to um, a lesser extent, Ties That Bind. Um, and not, of course, you can't say that Ties That Bind um, is, is not full of absolutely kinky um, sex. There is an emotional undertone in, in Ties That Bind that I worked really hard to create um, that... Uh, I started to develop Entangled Destinies. That, that, that's where it came from. I wouldn't trope drift pin, um, pinnacle porn. Pinnacle porn. I I wouldn't go there. <laughs> so I don't know how I would do that because I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Okay, so um, one of the more interesting things about the Kirk Spock trope is that it is basically the grandfather of slash fanfiction, um, and it we were talking about um, the, the the different kinds of fanfiction that used to exist for Star Trek, um, and how Star Trek used to be uh, this one way. And after the new movie came out, the the tropes kind of shifted, and not necessarily in a good way either. And so it uh, one of the more interesting turns I think the Star Trek fandom took was the character of Kirk, who was always something of a whore. Because that's canon. But in 
in the new in the in the alternate universe fan fiction, he's slut shamed a lot. And but in the like TOS in the original fandom, Kirk's manhorishness was not considered a fault. Um and um his falling in love with Spock was 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 interesting and cool and oh look what happened <laughs> that was kind of unexpected <laughs> oh you got dig what am I supposed to do with that <laughs> I'll figure it out <laughs> but the uh in and it's really interesting to see a, a male character slut shamed so furiously in fandom I mean it is just it's stunning It is absolutely stunning. Oh, you know, Kirk is a womanizer across the board in TOS. I mean, there is there is nothing he wouldn't put his dick in if it would sit still for it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That whole thing where they're slut-shaming, uh, they're using Kirk's rep to slut-shame other characters and other fandoms like Calling Shepard. Kirk. Um, but also, I don't think it was necessarily an ugly thing until the alternate universe happened. And suddenly, it, it took a an ugly, degrading turn. And Kirk um, stopped being uh, a ladies' man and turned into a whore, and I don't know. I, I find it deeply disturbing and irritating and ugly and uh, but and so when I was one of the reason one of the things that um I I promised myself I would not do to the character of Kirk. But we talked earlier in the week about how infectious ideas are um is really pretty. But and I hate to say this because I'm not particularly fond of William Shatner lately. Um in his day, so was William Shatner. Now Chris Pine is um William Shatner wishes he looked like Chris Pine on Chris Pine's worst day. But um, in his day, William Shatner was, was a very attractive man. He was a man's man. Um, chauvinistic, um, macho, very, very attractive man. Um, Chris Pine is, uh, very metro. He's very metrosexual, Chris Pine. Have you noticed? And I do wonder if Chris Pine's, um, Less macho appearance is one of the reasons why he slut shamed so heavily in um, fandom. Kind of like almost like if he was a, a woman. So I promised myself that I wouldn't let myself get infected with um, those ideas in fandom. But also that I would not fall down that trap of bashing Ahura. Is that how you say her name? Um, because 
one of the biggest things I, I see in the AOS fandom is bashing her character, um, which is a disservice to her character because um, she was the first black woman on TV with a reoccurring role on a series where she was not treated like a servant or um, or she wasn't actually a servant. She wasn't anybody's maid. She had a she was an officer on a on a starship, and she had a purpose and um, a career, and she was successful, and she was beautiful. And so to see her character um, so mistreated in this Star Trek fandom is really disheartening. Now, I have actually a kind of a problem with the original Bones in TOS, because I think he's xenophobic, um, and um, it's a thing for me, so I, I won't get into it, but um, I, I like Bones as a character, but sometimes um, his dialogue was really deeply, deeply unfortunate in the original series. Um, they put him in place as a foil to Spock, and, and it often looked like racism. So, but those were the topics that I was thinking about when I was going into the tropes that really bothered me going into Tangled Destinies that I promised myself that I wouldn't um, fall to. That Kirk was a whore and Ahura is uh, a monster. Um, and it was just that uh, those are the things that um, really bother me um, in the current fandom tropes that. Um, It's just a thing. Um, but when you look at tropes that I did explore in in ties in, um, in Entangled Destinies, did I have to toss it by a few minutes ago? Did not mean to. Um, th- one of the things that I really am deeply in love with as far as tropes go in Star Trek is um, um, mind melding and bond mates and um, uh, just... Uh, I love that. I I love that whole bond mate thing. It's my favorite thing. Um, So, writing, I I knew going in that immediately I was like, oh, bonding fig, it's going to (laughs) happen. So really, when you look at Tango Destinies, it is just one big giant bonding fic. Everything around it is is the bonding. It is just one big giant bonding fic because it's my favorite trope. Um, I was looking at other tropes in um, the Star Trek fandom, um, and there aren't as many as I thought. At least I was over at the KS Archive, and there aren't that many tropes listed in their trope list, which is really interesting. But one of the ones I think is probably really popular that freaks me out in the Star Trek fandom is slavery AUs, especially um, pre-Serac um, formation on on Vulcan, you know, war fixed with... Um, slave AUs, and I, I, I just... I have a real problem with those tropes. Um... There, there weren't a lot listed on the KS archive, and it was really interesting. Um, hurt comfort seems to be a pretty big one. Um, 
Spock as a virgin is also a big one. Um, one or the other being an exclusive bottom is apparently a big deal. And uh, alien genitalia. <laughs> one of my favorite, favorite TOS fix. Um, it's the original series, for those of you who don't know. Um, if you don't know why you're on my, on my broadcast. Anyways, um, is the one where uh, this element isn't my fun part. Always shied away from a relationship with Spock because he had been injured in such a way that he could not have anal sex. Um, I don't want to discuss why. But you can, I think you can speculate as to why. Uh, and he didn't know what Spock looked like. And come to find out, um, Spock was basically a whole bunch of tentacles. <laughs> and even having anal sex with him wouldn't have been a problem because of the way the tentacles were um, designed and everything. And it was just like, Spock blew his mind. Because they were independent. <laughs> it's great. It's one of my favorite TOS mix. I wish I could find it. I would link it for you. Um, it's awesome. Uh, and Spock's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that, that won't be a problem. <laughs> it's great. the only tentacle porn I've ever read outside of that one with Atlantis and the tentacles and um, and Stargate that I, I really just enjoyed. I, it, it isn't my thing. Um, and uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so... Um, one of the other thing, also things that I've noticed in um, Star Trek fandom um, fix is pining. Um, sometimes it's mutual pining. Once sometimes I read this beautiful story um, where Kirk and Spock accidentally bonded, and Spock had locked himself down so much after the, um, the destruction of Vulcan that he didn't realize he had bonded with Kirk, and he starts to reject him. And Kirk goes off the deep end because the bond is dying and um, he can't handle the emotional trauma of it. And Spock realizes almost too late um, that uh, he has this bond with Kirk. And that's why he is so emotionally stable when other Vulcans are falling to pieces. Um, but he had he almost destroyed Kirk in the process, and it was a it was a really good fic. Um, it's actually a really popular fix in the AOS, um, and, um, and I can't think of the title. It's a good, it's a hard read, but it is good. It is really good. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, it was Bond Rot. Uh, I remember there's one scene in particular where Kirk and McCoy and Spock are on shore leave and uh, 
Spock gets really irrationally um, upset with Kirk for spending time with Bones, um, and he doesn't know why. He he doesn't understand. And then when he realizes, he's he's absolutely devastated to to realize what he almost lost because the moment he um, opens himself up and, and finds the bond link, he realizes what it is. How high is the moon? Thank you, Willow. Thick Ninja. There you go. How high is the moon? By Kylie SL. That's another person who can't have a real name. I'm just, I'm sure she has a real name. <laughs> but it's called How High is the Moon, and I will put a link on the podcast. I don't have a lot of room left because how big the question is. I might have to delete the question at some point. Um, Or at least delete part of the question so um, I can get links in there for people who provide links during the chat room. It's also on AO3, AO3, Kayla C., and it's called How High is the Moon, and it is one of my favorite um, AOS stories. It is beautiful. It is a difficult read. I wouldn't want you to think otherwise, so just keep that in mind. Um, Um, and there's another one that was on the baseball series. And what I remember most about the baseball series is when um, Spock tells that one man that's trying to uh, get in Kirk's pants that he's not actually a man, that he's a Vulcan. That's really good. It is just, it's really good. Um, same author, yeah. It's the same author. Um, I would say probably that Kayla C. is one of my favorite Star Trek writers. Um, I highly recommend her work. Um, she's She has an emotional um, depth to her work that is, is beautiful. Um, it's called Bases Loaded, and it is also really, really good. I'm going to put both these links up here. But I imagine also those works, and I put live journal links up, but I imagine they're also on AO3. So it's How High is the Moon and Bases Loaded. Um, and so they're they're really good stories. Uh, um, but I, honestly, I haven't read a lot in the Star Trek fandom because I got really frustrated with the slut-shaming and the cheating fix and... Um, the Kirk being accused of cheating when he didn't actually cheat when Spock and Kirk were bonded. Tell me something. How does a telepath not know the difference between his partner being assaulted and engaging in a consensual sex act? It's impossible that he wouldn't know. Yes, you can also find Kaylee C's work on um, the KS Archive. It's ksarchive.com. So she's not hard to find, and she's very good to read. So go forth, 
Minions and Reed. Good stuff. <clears throat> give kudos, give comments. Give love. Don't be assholes. And if you're an asshole, don't let her know that I sent you. I'm just saying. It's ugly. It's ugly ass behavior when, uh, and this isn't something. Uh, I kept seeing it over and over and over again. How, um, basically, Kurt gets betrayed by practically everybody because they think he's cheating. How could Spock not know? But if he's married to Kirk and he has a bond with Kirk, we've seen bonds between Bondsmate and how they work in canon. It makes no sense whatsoever that Spock wouldn't have immediately felt some kind of trauma from Kirk. Atlas Shrugged is Shrugged is easily It's not Atlas Shrugged, it's it's something Atlas. It, I, I think it's just Atlas. Atlas Shrugged is the Enron book. Yeah, it's just called Atlas, and it's on fanfiction.net, and it's written by Angel Baby One. Um, Atlas is a great fic as well. Very, very long. Um, oh, yeah, we both got it. Zan's got it. It's dark. It's on fanfiction.net. Uh, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. But there are actually a bunch of fics where in the AOS, um, the alternate universe uh, fan- fandom, where Kirk is essentially betrayed by his crew and Spock um, because of something traumatic that happened to him that it makes no sense that Spock wouldn't know about it. It makes absolutely no sense. Especially even even in the original series, Spock felt emotional trauma from the destruction of a ship that was light years away, how could he not know his own bondmate had been assaulted or attacked or drugged or how could it just makes no goddamn sense? It's the author hand wave of bullshit, is what that is. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, there are a hundred different ways you can have that kind of angst and separation without reducing Spock to a monster or making him the worst Vulcan bondmate to ever have existed. Of course they had to make Kirk suffer. He's a whore. Right? I've not read the re- the reboot series by Sephiroth Raven. What is it about? Yeah, he's totally the 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 Blair slash mostly Blair uh, 
Atlas is also on AO3, for those of you who prefer AO3 to fanfiction.net. Um, <clears throat> Tony Blair Reed slash Kirk Designated Criers. Um, it's just really, it's really terrible. Um, where is that? Okay. I wanted to get that Spoctora link so I could put it on. Because um, the person, Kay, did ask for links. And, of course, she's in the chat room, so she's getting links anyway. But I wanted to put them um, on here as well for future listeners. And that's the reboot series. Okay, and Spoctora. And I have not read all these works, but they're being re- um, designated. They're being um, wrecked in the chat room as I'm doing this podcast. So I'm putting them on the links. Um I don't have any interest in exploring the designated crier trope. Um, I don't like um, Hurt Comfort Fix where one character is so badly um, mistreated that it's possible they'll never walk again. Um, and then it's just glossed over and um, never mentioned again. It's really annoying. Uh My character, my dashboard crashed, not crashed, but um, it locked up on me, so I don't know what that means. I'm going to refresh and see what happens. I'm going to have to delete some of my prescriptions so I can get these links in for the future listeners. Um There we go. That's better. Anyways. I also, um, How Wise We Grow is is awesome as well. It's an archive of our own. Um, But I think that if you want to dig in and read like I think Atlas is probably the most interesting exploration of Kirk's character as an adult in in Star Trek. Um, It's a really interesting, um, interesting story. Also, I really enjoy the fic where Kirk had a Vulcan, a half Vulcan son with, well, he had a Vulcan, he had a child with a Vulcan woman and she died. And so... Um, when he becomes the captain of the Enterprise, the kid ends up on the ship. Um, and is that how wise we grow? I I fucking love that story. It's really interesting because it takes um, you down a path of uh, you know that them discovering so wise we grow. Um, 
them discovering that Kirk has this child and it is actually his child and not some child that he's selfishly keeping from the Vulcan people, like, you know, like it was implied. Um, and, um, it's really interesting to watch Spock kind of fall for their little family and like want to be a part of it. it it's, it's really, it's, it's beautiful. And it's called so wise we grow and it's on archive of our own. And I'm, I clicked on it so I can get the author's name. Um, the star, the star, the star. Um, now I don't like the tea pring story. Um, okay, that's that one. Okay, so wise. I don't, and I don't like the circumstances of of how it happens, and it's kind of like Spock's been guilted into taking this child. Um, but the one I'm talking about, uh, is, so I don't dislike So Wise We Grow. It's just not my favorite kid fic. Yes, the child's mother is to many or to, but this particular fic I'm talking about is, this is Kurt's son. And, um... Right. So that's not so wise we grow. Sorry for those of you listening on the podcast. There was a little confusion on my part. Um, but so wise we grow is is an interesting story. It's just not the one that I'm thinking about as far as um, that particular uh, trope goes. And I don't like the circumstances of, of how the kid becomes part of their relationship. But that's just because I don't like to pring. Um, now, granted, I think her actions are spot on for the character. That is totally the kind of shit that she would have done. Um, I just, it makes me mad. Which I think is honestly really important when you're looking at um, fiction, um, how it makes you respond. Um, and uh, whether you get mad or you get sad or happy about something that characters are doing. And to bring me furious in that fix. <laughs> And I think she was dead from the very start. <laughs> right? It was just like this poor kid has been has been thrown into this situation that he didn't ask for, that, you know, and he has to deal with it and um and he's being um essentially tossed this person he doesn't know and um they they really don't know what to do about it. Um found it. The thick where Kirk has the kid um is called the Balance of Things by Relevant, Relevant Elephant. Thank you for having a name I can pronounce, even if it was kind of a tongue twister. Um, um, there is, in this particular fic, that the, the author talks about a little bit of Ahura bashing. I don't think it's necessarily bashing. I, I think it was a really interesting take on her character and her development and her response to not getting the relationship she expected to have with, with Spock. Um, I, thought that, I thought that was actually really well done. And it's called, again, The Balance of Things by Relevant Elephant and it is on AO3 and I will put it on the list. I'm not putting titles on my links because that's actually um, eating up my word count, um, and I only have a certain number of characters I can put on the um, 
podcast description. So I'm sacrificing titles and author names for links. So you'll just have to suck it up. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so you know when uh, that is an interesting that is an interesting topic. Um, what what happens um in the balance of things the author points out in the author notes about the um one of the thing and I and she's talking about in her fic being um having addressing you know uh, addressing insubordination um and that is something that um I think in the AOS series the stories on the fan fiction is that oftentimes characters um, get away with mistreating Kirk, even when he's captain. And I'm thinking, you know what, bitch? That's the captain. That's the captain. That's the fucking captain of the ship. You say, yes, sir, how high? Not Kirk, you whore. (laughs) Just saying. And you know those fix where Kirk gets betrayed and he leaves the ship? Bitch, that's his ship. Why aren't they leaving? He's the goddamn captain. Why aren't they getting off his fucking ship? That's what I'm saying. Author hand wave of bullshit. Just saying. Anyways, um, the, honestly, when you, when you look at uh, my the, the body of my work, you can pick out who my woobies are, who my babies are, who my unicorns are, and obviously Kirk is my unicorn in Star Trek. Even though Tangled Destinies is is largely a love letter to Spock, um, and into a, a lesser extent. Um, Amanda Grayson, which is so galling to be accused of what I was accused of regarding her character. Anyways, um, that that Kirk's my unicorn. There is one where um, they both get betrayed. Um, Starfleet wants to separate them because they fall in love and Vulcan builds them. um, um, Vulcan takes Kirk and gives um, uh, Starfleet's the double bird and gives them their own ship to tool around the universe in. One of the more interesting um, tropes in Star Trek that I have to be really super careful about that when I'm um, when I'm reading is Ponfar, because Ponfar fix can go from consensual to not in seconds. I mean, literally in seconds. One minute you're reading consensual, the next re- the next second you're not. And it is, I mean, it is, and a lot of times I don't even think authors realize they do it. But that's actually a problem with any fuck or die scenario. Um, and they, they're, and also I think the inherent 
violence that is expected in in Ponfar is astounding. Um, one of the things that I want to explore in the next arc of Tangled Destinies is is Spock's relationship with with Kirk and um, what Ponfar really is. Uh, and um, I want to explore a more emotional bloodletting than a physical bloodletting when it comes to Ponfar because I think for a species that subjugates their emotions the way Vulcans do that it wouldn't be physically violent for all of them and that for some of them it would be an emotional violence an emotional um, battle with themselves with their emotions that they can't control um, that they lose that control um that they seek uh, shelter in their bondmate. Um, so, you know, thinking about that when I was when I was writing Arc One, I I wanted to to touch on um, how Ponfar could go wrong um, if there wasn't um, if there wasn't that emotional and mental. Um, compatibility, but I most certainly did not want to do it with Kirk and Spock, which is why I did it off screen with with other characters, uh, and why it becomes so important, um, why the bond between Kirk and Spock is so coveted, uh, because Ponfar can be dangerous if you're, um, if you're not compatible, um, So, you know, um I think that if you have problems with uh with um consent, um it, I, you need to be very careful. Um not problems, but if you are triggered by non-consensual activities, um it and I'm not saying that Ponfar fix devolve into rape because that, that's that's not what I mean, but there but there comes a point in some Ponfar fix where it is galling how is glossed over um just how physically violent they make. I mean, I was reading one years ago, maybe even like as much as a decade ago, that totally put me off on Farfic for like years, like five years I didn't read them, where um, Jim gets his hip broken or his hip gets dislocated. And I'm thinking, do you have any idea how much internal damage would have been done to him if his fucking hip get, got broken? I mean, I'm, I'm talking about rectal damage. If It was so violent that it broke his hip. The tissue damage would have been borderline fatal, if not fatal. Did you bitches even take anatomy classes? Not you bitches in particular, because my minions are smart. I'm just saying that, come on. <laughs> There's a line, people. There's a real big fucking line. <laughs> you need to not cross. So when you're reading Ponfarfic, be careful. Um, and when you're writing Ponfarfic, have some goddamn common sense. Bruises are one thing. Bruises happen between two human beings if they're having a really good time. But come on. 
yes, there are ways that you could dislocate your hip um, and not break it um, in sex and it not be catastrophic because sometimes you can get really in a position that you thought was great at the moment and it turned out not to be great later. I mean, you know, shit like that can happen, but that's not what I'm talking about in, in this particular fic. I mean, um, Jim had several broken bones, including a broken hip, and it was glossed over like it was just part of the deal. Like it wasn't a problem at all. I don't fucking think so. <laughs> to me, even a broken finger would be a problem. Dislocation makes some sense, right? Physically, you know, that can happen. I mean, because, like I said, sometimes you get in a position you think is great, and then it not be great. Yeah, okay, that happens. But even if that does happen, you don't gloss it over. It isn't something, oh, it just happens, it'll be fine. No, it's not fine. That is, that is... Dislocation is astronomically painful. I've had my shoulder dislocated because um, I did something dumb. Um, that is an agony I would not wish on. I I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It is it is the most agony that you can experience. Um, it is worse than a broken bone because I've broken bones and it didn't hurt nearly as bad as that dislocation did. Um. And putting it back in was honestly just as fuck as pain, fucking painful as it dislocating. G- Damn. Damn. This is not a sexy time. This is not something that you can have happen and sex keep happening. Honestly, if I had a partner who dislocated my hip or my shoulder um, and didn't stop immediately, somebody's getting bashed in the face. All the pain. It is all the pain. So come on, Ponfar writers, have have some damn sense. That's that's all I'm asking. Did you hear my southern come out just then? Just come right out, boom, out of the out of the closet, boom. But seriously, have some damn sense. That is all I'm asking. It's not much. But like I said, if you're if you're kind of skirting the edge of the Star Trek fandom, do be careful of the Ponfar fix because like I said, they can go from consensual, hot, fun, sexy time to not in a sentence. In a single sentence. And you'll be like, What what happened? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, click no, bye. Anyways. My Padawan decided he wanted to go see it this weekend. Um, I said no. I'm not. F- f- fuck that. Fuck that. Um, his mother agreed to take him. And we watched this as little girls, um, the miniseries. Um, and um, she uh, was making somebody else go with her to, to, to help mitigate her own terror. Um, and I'm like, make him go by himself. Just drop him off at the theater and go back and get him. <laughs> There is no need. None. Not a. Not a. Um, so I was teasing her, and I said, well, have fun and watch out for the floaters. And she, she wrote back, and she texted me back, and she says, what do you mean floaters? I said, you know, 
we all float down here. And she sent me, she, this bitch, actually took a selfie of herself double birding me and sent it to me. I got double birded via text through a selfie. Her and her selfie stick. You can tell she hooked a selfie stick <laughs> into the back of, like, in, in, in between couch cushions because of the way she was sitting, so she could get both of her fingers in the picture. It was hilarious. Oh, <laughs> um, anyways, I got I got double birded, but really, we all do float down here. So, yeah, don't watch it. Don't go there. But apparently it's sold out for the whole, most of the weekend. She managed to get tickets on Sunday. He's super excited. Nobody else is. Um, it's going to be terrible. Terrible. I'm sure it's going to be a great movie. Um, I'm sure they did very well with the production values, turning that spider clown thing into whatever it is. I just don't have any interest in watching it again. I I have um, no. No. Stephen King is one scary, scary man. I don't have any interest whatsoever in going there. Um, <clears throat> have fun with that, boo. Congratulations. Don't Are you not sleeping the rest of the night? Barb said Stephen King once um, was asked why he wrote such dark stuff, and his answer was, what makes you think I have a choice? Um, Stephen King is also famous for saying um, that if he ever had therapy, he'd never write again. So there you go. There you go. I, You know, there are some authors I would give almost anything to speak to. I would sit down with, have coffee, um, talk about writing, talk about craft, talk about books. Stephen King isn't one of them because he's he's a little deep for me. <laughs> I have talked with horror writers before. Um, I find them um, very disconcerting. Uh, I um, you got to be in a dark place to write dark things. You gotta be able to go to a dark place to write dark things, and I don't like to go to dark places. Um, I like Shawshank Redemption. I like I, I, I like The Green Mile. I really, um, despite myself, enjoyed Misery. Um, I I understand. Um, Misery at a, at a at a real real level, um, I get it. Um, but uh, for the most part, I, I don't know. No, no, he's not my he's not my deal. <laughs> I like rainbows and unicorns. Come on now. <laughs> the hobbling in the misery was a whoa. <laughs> a little, a little upsetting. And you can see it coming, right? And you're like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, my God, she did it. Oh, my God, she did it. <laughs> oh, she did it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, 
Stand By Me. Stand By Me was Stephen King, too, wasn't it? But I'm not up on murder clowns. You're absolutely right, Azure. There's just no need for murder clowns. Um, but back to Star Trek. Um, <clears throat> there are a couple of tropes that uh, I've accidentally stumbled into with Tangled Destinies, and one of them is Spock's a virgin. Um, because they both are, and because they're so young. And um, so that was an, when I saw that on the trope list, I was like, really? That That's a trope? Well, shit. <laughs> are you checking that off my box? <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, I've um bond mates and mind melds and um Spock is a virgin and first times and hurt comfort, all of that ends up in Tangled Destinies. And um so uh but the Spock's a virgin thing, I I had no idea that was a trope. And I was like, Really? That I have to go but I didn't want to click on it because I was like, What am I gonna read? Because sometimes Vicarulette is, is beautiful and you find something amazing and sometimes it is not. And then you're you're like, oh God, what am I reading? What am I reading? Oh my God! I love fandom. I love fandom writers. I think you're all awesome. I can't I can't read all your stuff. Yeah, I mean it is Spock, the older version. Like Spock is a virgin until Ponfar. Um, and what's really interesting is that whole trope about Vulcans not having sex outside of Ponfar. Do you realize how small their population would be if that were true? I'm just asking for a friend. Of course, if that was true, that would make <laughs> Vulcan a planet full of assholes. Because what if they all cycle on the seven, seven, the same seven years? Just saying. They already are a planet of assholes. They'd be a planet of super assholes. It doesn't make any sense. I I never really understood that we don't have sex outside of Ponfar. What? Because you couldn't even guarantee a pregnancy during Ponfar. So what if there's no pregnancy and she has to wait seven more years to get a baby? Fuck that shit. <laughs> that is just, no. Every seven years, they cut off contact with the rest of the galaxy for the great fuck fest no one talks about. <laughs> That's the best quote ever, Jilly. <laughs> the great fuck fest. <laughs> I have a line, and it's in Phoenix. And it's kind of like a little nod to um, Vulcan propriety. Um, And it's uh, Harry and Sirius and Zale and Thaddeus and I think 
Bill Weasley are in the room of requirement, and Harry asks a question about sex, um, and um, Zale answers it, and Sirius is pretty much horrified by the whole prospect of this, you know, and um, they make a comment about pure blood's not talking about, the, you know, sex. Um, and Harry saying, well, maybe that explains the incest. If they can't talk about the sex they do have, maybe they don't realize they shouldn't be having sex with their cousins. <laughs> Not even the sex they have. <laughs> and it was kind of like a little nod to um, Vulcan. Um, not talking about the not discussing sex and not discussing the sex they have. And so it was just, you know, it was a little thing that I, that I got, that I got tickled with what's wrong with marrying your cousin. <laughs> right? Everything is wrong. Serious with marrying your cousin. I assure you. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it boils back to meeting people who don't have a thorough education about sex and they don't understand, um, um, genetics and all that stuff, and uh, and it, it's you know, and honestly, I have encountered people who have. I I met a girl in college that wasn't entirely sure where where babies came from, and she was nineteen because she'd never had sex ed in school. Um, Because she'd been homeschooled. And she ended up in college. um, And uh, she was a day student. So her parents, you know, she lived in the area where we were going to school. So she still lived at home. Um, And um, she'd basically um, believed up until the point that she met me that um, letting a boy touch her panties could get her pregnant. So, me being me, I said, "Oh no, honey, that's not that's not how that works." And I gave her a thorough education on sex and birth control and dicks and um and everything. And her mouth just kept getting. <laughs> Just like her, at one point, her mouth literally dropped open. And I was like, "Come on, are you serious?" And I kept waiting for her mom to call me and cuss me out for giving her the set her 19 year old daughter the sex talk. Um, she never did. So I'm wondering if the girl ever told her mom that she got the sex talk. Um, you know, the thing is, is when you leave your child that uneducated about sex you put them into a situation where some boy could have talked her into taking her panties off because if he doesn't touch them. And you're thinking, you're sort of thinking, she's, there, there is no fucking way that she actually believed that. I 100% guarantee you she believed that. I get your head just thinking about it. So my niece, um, my oldest niece recently um, got sent home a permission form to be taught sex ed. And her father didn't want 
to um, sign it. He didn't want her to be taught sex ed. Um, she's 13. Um, so I sent him an e-card every day for a week congratulating him on being a grandpa. And finally, he texted me and asked me what the fuck I was doing. I was like, I'm just preparing you. Because if you're going to leave your daughter ignorant, you don't get to be surprised when a year and a half from now she comes home and tells you she's pregnant. So I'm getting you ready for that conversation that's going to take place because you're a fucking moron. So he signed the permission form. And that's how you get a man to do something through attrition. <laughs> now, granted, I had already taken this girl aside and given her the basics last year when she asked me because I believe if you ask a question, you deserve an answer. And so I asked my sister. I was like, well, you know, she's asked me this question. And she says, oh, God, please tell her because I don't want to. I said, Okay. <laughs> I took that kid to lunch and told her everything. Not, I was not explicit with her because she was 12, but I explained the basics um, of how that happened and how that worked. And her dad don't know that. Um, and um, I explained how her period would work and um, what that would mean and what it would mean about her fertility and about having a baby um, and how babies get made. And um, we looked some stuff on the Internet using my tablet, and she had some diagrams, and, and there were some um, – anatomically accurate pictures um, because I didn't want it to be a surprise <laughs> because <laughs> I would have actually appreciated some anatomically correct pictures when I was young and <laughs> so my first shot of a penis would not have been such a surprise <laughs> I'm just saying um, but um, yeah he signed the form and it's really shitty because I had one more card to send in that I had picked out, so I didn't get to send it. So I'm saving it for when he actually is a grandpa. Ooh. You know... That's interesting because um, this is totally off topic, but I'm going to say it. Toaster says, I had to explain to a 22-year-old guy how it was inappropriate for him to date a 15-year-old girl because he was that would make him a pedophile. Um, you know the teen mom statistic that talks about how many teenage mothers there are in this country and teen pregnancy? Do you know that most of those teen pregnancies, the father is over the age of 19? I once had a boy in college tell me that um, not having sex hurt him and that I should um, have sex with him and I was being mean. You know, that that whole blue balls thing. And I looked at him all wide-eyed and I was like, you don't masturbate? And he was like, what? I said, you don't jerk off? Um, I said, because if, if, if you're having a problem jerking off, we should take you to the doctor. And I said, just like that. 
just as just as just as sweet and as innocent as I possibly could. And he was like, um, uh, I said because I don't think you actually need a vagina for this problem. I think that you should be able to jerk off. Um, and if you can't, then we can go to the school nurse. Um, I can go with you if you're if you're worried about going by yourself. No, 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 no. I can, I can. I said, oh, then you're lying to me. You don't actually need my vagina. You just wanted to fuck me, right? Um, you're not actually hurting. You're not actually going to die. You don't actually have blue balls, right? And that's when he realized I've been playing him. And um, he never asked me out again. Imagine that. Then I went out, Then I went out with his best friend and rode that like a boss. Just out of spite. Out of pure spite. And to this day, I regret nothing. Yeah, pedophilia is for prepubescent, um, so anything after puberty is a different kind of philia, but it is still terrible. See? That's why we need next education. Sex ed. It's super important. But back to um, tropes in Star Trek. Um so Spock the Virgin, I think that um, while technically um, Tangled Destinies will probably fit that just because of their ages, I'm not sure it counts as the trope. Um, but um, it was still interesting to see that on the trope list. I was like, really? That that's a trope? And then I remembered there was that fic where um, that there's there's that virgin trope in Stargate too. And normally it's McKay who's a virgin because he's you know a genius and n- never bothered to have sex and um, but sometimes, like, there, there was that one time when it was John, and it was really interesting that um, John was a virgin um, because he grew up in a very strict um, re- religious household, and he was um, repressed and um, super gay and in the closet and um, a virgin. And, um, oh, don't worry. Rodney fixed that problem. <laughs> but it was an interesting um, twist on that trope to see um, – John, who is, you know, played by a very, very attractive man, um, as a virgin, um, um, and you don't normally, um, put those two together, because you assume that someone who's really, really, really attractive, um, wouldn't have a problem getting laid, and would want to get laid, um, and there, there, there's a whole, there, there's, um, there's a whole, um, um, conversation there about, um, expectations and uh, uh, physical attractiveness and sexuality. Um, <clears throat> Kirk's a virgin. You're right. I'm sure it's full of crying and sobbing and, and, and tears and um, uh, I have a real problem with Steve Rogers the virgin and Steve Rogers the par- of the paragon of virtue because Steve Rogers pre-serum was kind of an asshole. Did you guys notice? I mean, sure, he's all patriotic and shit, but he's also a liar and he's an asshole. So I don't see how getting that serum really would have changed him all that much. Especially since he was, like like Dark said in the chat room, touring with a whole bunch of USO girls for a year or more. Sure, sure.
if not a single U.S. O-girl managed to get on top of that, I am disappointed in all of them. Girls. And even before the serum, he had Bucky for a best friend. Bucky's an excellent wingman. You know Bucky got him laid. (laughs) Even if they had to pay for it, Bucky didn't let his best friend go out into the world a virgin. (laughs) Don't buy it. I don't buy it for a a New York minute. (laughs) But anyway, it's interesting. It's it's, it's an interesting trope, the... um, the virgin thing, um, but um, not one I would um, intentionally explore. Um, I, you know, I, I, have this, I, I have this, I have this image popping into my head where Steve actually admits to being a virgin amidst the Avengers, and they're like immediately drawing straws and putting a, a together to see which one of them gets to, you know, offer him sex first. <laughs> There's a competition. <laughs> Perhaps some sparring. <laughs> and Tony being like, I had the most experience. I think it should be me. I'm going to make sure he has the best time. <laughs> Now I'm all amusing myself. I'd never actually write it, though. Oh, oh, God. My favorite Tony Stark fic is where he inherits the minions. The literal little yellow guy minions. They they start showing up in his lab. <laughs> Making him shit. <laughs> He's like, okay. Because only Tony Stark would be okay with that. I, I was trying to picture Rodney in that situation, and I don't know how Rodney would adapt. I mean, you think he would, but maybe he'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, Tony Stark and the Minions. It's, it's on an archive of our own. I'm, I'm 100% positive of that. And one of them just shows up in his lab one day and starts working. Um, and then eventually they kind of all, you know, pop over into the dimension um, and they're working on Iron Man armor and, and you know, uh, petting dummy and, and just, you know, being um, minions. And uh, it's, it's, it's really funny. So... Zan found the John the John Shepherd's a virgin fic. Um, it's by Lacey McBain. See, she has a name I can pronounce. Why can't Why can't you guys have pen names and shit? It's called Lost in Waiting, um, and I will put the link up um, in the bottom of my chat, even though it's not Star Trek, um, in the bottom of my description because um, <clears throat> I'm sure if I don't, someone will actually um, message me later and ask for it. So. Uh, I've exceeded my description link. Okay, I can't. I'm not gonna be able to put it on there because I've, I've, I've exceeded my limit um, 
Um, so it's um, called uh, Lost in Waiting by Lacey McBain. And if you Google it, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it. Um, <clears throat> and the Tony Stark and the Minion ones apparently is Sci-Fi Girl 47. Honestly, one of my favorite um, fix in um, no, that's not Sci-Fi Girl. Okay, no, that's um, Right Side Through. Tony Stark, the Minion Overlord, Big Boss by Right Side Through, um, is when he becomes um, he get, um, he kind of inherits the minions. They kind of show up in his lab, and um, <clears throat> Lost in Waiting is also on Ao3. And that's the John is a virgin fic, so just FYI. <clears throat> I can see Rodney directing things out of Minion's hands saying, Stop that, you'll blow shit up. And them giggling, their little Minion giggle. Yeah, Sci-Fi Girl did have the little aliens that kidnapped him in the Toasterverse. That's, yeah, not quite the same thing. Big Boss, right, right Side Through, is the, um, by Right Side Through, is the um, minion fic. And it is pretty funny. I, I I think you'll like it. They would definitely still Rodney's pudding and his bananas. Um, that, that would almost just be worth writing just for the amusement factor alone. Um So, anyways, uh, I've gone over all my points. The only thing I have left is the Sentinel AU. I have written um, one Sentinel short story called Wrath. It's on my um, four-star track, um, and it's called Wrath, and it is on my site. Um, and when I was um, putting together um, those three Star Trek stories, those two, those three Sentinel stories for um, the RT boot camp, was it last summer or the summer before? Um, I was uh, I wanted to do a Kirk and Spock um, uh, Sentinel fic, and I didn't know um, how um, I wanted to do it. And I had gone through and I had read my um, Work in Progress Instinct, which is available on Evil Author Day on Dreamwith, and I have a link there. But you have to be a member of that community to read it. But the link is in the description of this podcast. Um, <clears throat> I made Kirk the Sentinel. Um, and so I kind of wanted to flip it on the head and make Spock the Sentinel um, and, and see what would happen. Um, so in Wrath, I made um, Kirk the guide. And, um, and I wanted to see how how that would play and um, and how Spock would would respond and what i really really enjoyed about wrath is um the moment when spock is in um the meeting and he he schools everybody on the fact that he actually wasn't um in a feral episode <laughs> That he was absolutely not. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure if I go feral, that won't be it. Well, was basically what he's telling them is that, okay, um, that actually seems to be within the realm of my normal behavior. Um, 
I think that you haven't seen me go feral yet. Um, and so that was a moment of, whoa, for them, you know, so we'll see how that goes in the future, right? Um, Tony Stark, The Virgin, I could not read that with a straight face. I can't even say that with a straight face. I'm like, what? No. No. Unlikely. (laughs) Terribly unlikely. (laughs) But I think that, um, on the whole, um, Wrath is, um, um, very satisfying because it's complete and very, um, very contained and uh when I was finished with it I felt finished and one person hit me back in um in an email um saying that the only flaw with wrath was um the lack of a sex bonding scene and I wrote back and said that wasn't the flaw that wasn't a flaw that it was the design there was I never had any intention of including a sex scene for that particular story because it wasn't about that. It, it, it wasn't even about bonding. Um, um, wrath was about waking up to a heritage um, and Kurt joining him and that, that nobody expected anybody to ever have again on earth. Um, um, they went from being Kirk and Spots Spock to being living legends, and so and, and that's what that was about. That that's what Wrath was about. It was never supposed to be a bonding or a sex fic, um, which I'm perfectly capable of writing. So I don't consider the lack of a sex scene in Wrath a flaw. Um, the reader didn't agree with me, so. Well, you know. I think that when you're um, you're writing, you have to establish a wall between your goals and your reader's expectations. And so there's this, um, and that wall has to be really, really thick, because you don't want to get into a situation where you're bowing down repeatedly to their expectations. I talked about. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm pretty sure I did this in the podcast that I was actually a little nervous about posting um the courting um courting Hermione Granger because um it was different than what I've written in the past and there was no sex in it. And I, and then I got really irritated with myself for being nervous about it because it was like that's bullshit. Because why should I be upset or nervous or worried about um posting my own work on my own damn site um, based on somebody's um, based on what I thought expectations would be um, so even I'm not immune to that you know we, we all fall down that hole of, of of anticipating the expectations of our readers um, but it's just important to keep that wall really thick and strong and and not to give it a door or a window because uh, when, when you give somebody um, a reader uh a window into your process, it only weakens your process. Uh, in, in, include other writers who understand your goals, who understand your, um, who understand craft, 
and who understand goals and motivation and character development. Um, but don't include readers who don't. That All they have going for them is greed. They want more, 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 more. Um, and it's uh, it creates a situation where you're just not you're not going to grow as a writer, and your and and your craft is going to suffer for their greed. Um, so uh, don't allow that. And um, I work every day not to allow that. So it's not something that is a concrete situation. Like once you develop it. You you can keep it. Uh, you have to work at it every day to to keep your um, craft separate from the uh, gluttonous um, reality that is fandom. I had a um, I'm not sure if I would even call them a reader. It was a responder to my podcast. I don't even know if they've actually read my fandom. Um, say that I. Um, shouldn't she she basically said that the time I spend in fandom talking about craft and talking um about uh story building and structure and plotting and plot drifts and um all this stuff and character whatever um is that i was off i was legitimatizing um i was offering legit- legitimacy to fandom that fandom didn't deserve. And so after I double birded her, because I did, I hope you're listening. Um, I didn't respond. I, I I didn't send her an email back. I just I I want to. I make no mental difference between fan fiction and original work as far as my growth as a writer. This work I can sell, that work I cannot sell. And so it's not so much um, that's that's it. That's the difference between them. That is the only difference between them. Sometimes I'm a little lazy with my fan fiction. Like, um, there are things I do in my fan fiction that I wouldn't do in my professional work. I'm a little more um I'm I'm more inclined in fan fiction to give myself a little room to play, um, and add character um points of view that I wouldn't add to professional work. Um, so I stretch my wings a little in fandom. Um, but when it comes to the actual writing process, the, um, the craft, the plot, the goals, the characters, the motivations, all that, that's, there is no difference. I mean, there is no difference between that, um, and fandom, and it's, um, it's kind of annoying to be told that I'm wasting my time. Um, but in the end, it's my time to waste and do with it what I want. So... <clears throat> 
think I've exhausted this topic for the evening, and I'm also I'm starting to yawn. I don't want to do that guy in your in your guys' ears. So I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast here. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of links in the uh, chat room on my site, and there's a whole bunch of links in the description on the podcast. And if you read um, nothing else uh, that we recommended this evening. I highly recommend that you read How High the Moon. That's my, that's my Rick right right there, How High the Moon, Um, without a doubt. (laughs) Yeah, it's a safe pick. I mean, for, you know, it's it's not naked. There's no penis or anything. (laughs) Anyways, you guys have a good evening, and I'll talk to you later. Shut up and sit down.